Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Tonight we're looking at uh, the end of 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, and in this, Peter is continuing what he began in the verses we looked at last week. Um, Peter has been alternating between what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and the necessary consequences that has on how we should live. The first half of chapter 1 was all about what God has done for us in Jesus. Remember, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope that is imperishable and He keeps us by His power. We have a a great privilege of revelation in that we got to see what the prophets long to see. We got to see what even the angels long to see into. And, And because of what God has done for us in Jesus, He calls us to live a certain way in this world as strangers and aliens. That's another concept that we have throughout the book of 1 Peter. This world is not our home. It is because one day we will inherit the earth. As Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth. But right now we live with the feeling, with, with, the, with the tension of knowing this world is not our home. We have a citizenship in heaven that cannot be touched. We are sons of and daughters of the King. And one day He is coming, and He will set all things right. He will wipe every tear from every eye. And in the meantime, in this time between the times, we live as strangers and aliens, and and we live with our hope set on the future. We live lives of holiness as obedient children, following after the example of our Father, We live loving one another and fearing God. And we live as a community, as believers, as priests, as a royal priesthood, declaring what God has done for us and bringing us from death into life. As Peter ended that section he began to talk about what we might call a household code. Uh, That is, he, he tells believers how we're to live in different stages of life. All of us, all believers, live under the authority of the government. Uh, Romans teaches that that it's God who uh, establishes governments and that it's God who has given the sword to the government. And last week we looked at how we as as strangers and aliens in this world, even though our king is from another world who's coming, but right now in this time we live as good citizens and and insofar as we're able as so so far as as the commands of earthly authorities don't conflict and cause us to disobey our Lord and King, then we should be good citizens and follow the laws of our land. Next week, 
Uh, we will look at how this works out in the family between husbands and wives. And tonight, we look at masters and servants. Now, this is a little bit foreign to us. Well, this is a little bit foreign to us because we, we, we don't have slavery in our society anymore. Um, the ancient world has slavery, and, and we, as Americans, abolished slavery 150 years ago. Not being precise there. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we understand what the institution of slavery is. Um, here, Peter is telling believers who are servants how they are to live in the midst of their servile condition. Um, let's go ahead and read our text and see what, what Peter has to say. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in God's sight. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. When, but, uh, but continued entrusting himself to, the ju to, to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls." This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray that you would help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, though none of us here that are present are slaves in an earthly sense. Lord, this is your word and it is relevant to every situation in life, in every time period. And Father, it is relevant to us. And uh, though institutions change in society, Lord, you have revealed a pattern for how we should live. Father, help us to follow after the pattern of Jesus. Help us to follow in His steps. To be obedient to You and to show a watching world a demonstration of what Christ has done for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. We've got a race against the clock tonight. 
The sun is going down. I don't know how many more weeks we're going to be able to continue meeting at six o'clock because we've got, but we'll just, we'll just see how far we can go. And if I have to get out a flashlight, we'll see. All right. Be, it, uh, on, one, on the one hand, it also ensures that uh, it won't be a long-winded sermon tonight. Because, yeah, so. All right. Servants. Uh, the word there for servants is not the word doulos, uh, which, which that, that is a typical word for, ser, uh, for a slave. It's not the word deacon. deacon. Uh, you know, we're familiar with deacon. That's a a servant. That's not the word, uh, but it's it's one that it's built with the 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 word oik at the beginning, uh, which that would be like a household slave, and be a household slave. Um, so it's telling household slaves, but really by by uh, a generalization, any slave, any servant, to be to be submissive to their masters. That's the same thing we're seeing here with the government. Just like we're, as Christian citizens, we're to be submissive to the government under ordinary circumstances when they're not calling us into sin. Uh, Peter here is telling believing slaves that they're to be obedient, that they're to be subject to their masters. And, and, and we've got to pause here to think for a minute. Sometimes we might be... Uh, we might be tempted to think, well, slavery in the New Testament was different than American slavery that we see, we, we saw in this country. Um, and there are differences. One, slavery in the ancient world, slavery uh, in the Greco-Roman world was not based on race. You could be a slave of, of any race. It, it wasn't a racially based system. Also, um, in the Greco-Roman world, slaves were often smarter and more educated than their masters. Uh, oftentimes, slaves were the ones who were tutors for the children within the home. Uh, and so, like, like in the ancient world, the um, slaves were, were very intelligent oftentimes because of, of this. Um, whereas in, in the American system, they discouraged it because they knew that with education, you, you, you might have uprisings and things like that. But we don't want to get the idea that somehow the ancient world had more humane slavery than we did here in America. Um, they did beat their slaves. The, the slaves had, had no rights. And even children that were born in the home of a slave, they didn't belong to the parents, but they belonged to the masters, and they could buy or sell them or do whatever they wanted to with them. It was not a humane system. So with the badness and the evil of slavery, why do we have here Peter saying to be obedient? Why, why is it? Um, Peter and the other New Testament authors were not interested at that time in trying to spur a revolution in society. Their goal was not to try to overturn the powers that be. They were not trying to, um, to cause some kind of a political revolution. Their goal was to teach believers how they are, and individual believers, how they were to live within the system that they had. And so 
because their goal wasn't to overslow the, overthrow the system of slavery at that time, the question on the minds of, of believer, uh, believing slaves was, how am I supposed to live in this? My king is of another world. He's who my, my real lord and master is. Then how am I supposed to relate to my earthly master? Peter here gives the instruction for them to be submissive, to, to sub, be subject to their masters with all respect here. And, and the ESV here says with all respect. Um, that's probably not the best way to translate this. Uh, it actually says in all fear. Now, by, with, by, by translating it with all respect... What that does is it gets the idea that the respect is due the master. But Peter elsewhere tells us not to fear anyone but God. Our fear is not to be other people, but it's to be God alone. He's the one. It says in the last passage, fear God, honor the king. And, and he uses the same word here, and he says, servants be subject to your masters with all fear. And so it's not our masters, it's not a, a believer's masters that they were to fear, it's God. It's because they fear God that they're to do that. And, and we might get the idea, oh yeah, you, you could be submissive to the good masters, right? Ones who are believers, but Peter heads that off at the pass and he says, no, not just for good and gentle masters, but also to the unjust ones. That, ought to ca that causes us sometimes to scratch our head. How could Peter say such a thing? Doesn't he understand? Of course he does. He understands it better than we do. We don't live in a system like that. He did. And, and he tells these believer, believing slaves to, to, um, to be submissive to their masters, uh, to obey not only the good masters, but also those who were unjust and he says, this is a gracious thing. This is a gracious thing. He's about to give us the, the, the reason and the motivation behind why be believing slaves were to be submissive to their masters. This is a gracious thing. It's a gift. That's the word, grace. It's, it's a grace. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. This is applicable not only to slaves, but it's applicable to us. It's a gracious thing when we're enduring sorrows while suffering unjustly, mindful of God. Each one of us has probably found times whenever we endure suffering unjustly. Maybe you can think of a time in your own life Maybe it was something at work where you got written up for something that, that uh, wasn't your fault, okay? Maybe, maybe it's the fact that, uh, you know, we can look at, at the court cases today and see people like um, the florists and the bakers who are suffering unjustly. They're mindful of God, and Peter says this is a gracious thing. This is a grace. This is a gift that they, that they are al allowed to suffer like Jesus suffered. They're, they're counted worthy to suffer for the sake of God, as one of the other 
letters tells us. It's a gracious thing when one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly, for what credit is it if you sin and are beaten, you endure? There's no credit for it. There's no, there's no uh, um, reward whenever we're sinful and receive a punishment. We're getting exactly what we deserve, right? But here, Peter tells us, when we do good and we suffer for it and we endure, that's a gracious thing in the sight of God. He, he gives us the strength and the endurance to be able to face those trials, to face those times of, of maybe persecution. He gives us the grace to be able to face those things, and, and God sees it. It says it's in the sight of God. Our suffering is not done alone. When we suffer unjustly, we know that God sees that suffering. He says, it's a gracious thing in the sight of God. He sees it, and He's pleased with us when we endure such suffering. Now He changes directions. Verse 21, For to this you have been called. What is this that He's talking about? It's suffering. And he's not just talking about servants. He's not just talking about slaves. He's talking about all believers. We have been called to suffering. Tell that to Joel Osteen. Okay. Tell that to those who tell you, if you're a believer, you should have your best life now. Right? No. We have been called to suffering. To follow Jesus is to take up our cross daily and follow Him. He tells us, for to this you've been called, we've been called to suffering because Christ also suffered for you. We're to, we're to follow the example that Jesus had. And, and when we talk about example, sometimes we, we've got to understand something about following Jesus' example. There's a theory that comes from the Middle Ages about the atonement of Christ. That what Jesus did was He came to be an example and that we, just, we, we are saved by following His example. That's wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches. Although some people, even today, hold to something like that. He, he, he came to be that great moral example that we all follow. No, He tells us here, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. Jesus' suffering was not just an empty suffering. It was, not, uh, it was not pointless. He suffered for us. Not in the sense that it would just be an example of suffering. He suffered vicariously for us. Uh, vicariously. He suffered in our place. We deserved the wrath of God poured out on us. We deserved hell. And Jesus took the wrath of God in our place. He suffered for us in that sense. And because we see Jesus, who was perfectly righteous, all the suffering that He faced from evil and wicked men was unjust. Yet He embraced it because what He was doing 
was atoning for our sins. In the same way that we see that Jesus did that for us, then we also are to embrace that kind of suffering. For to this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in His steps. The word for example there has the idea of letters. Uh, 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 an example of letters. You know, when a child is learning to write, we have the examples. Maybe you've seen, you, you know, teachers, you've, you put those up in your classroom, you've got the, the exemplars all around the room with the A, the capital A, and the little A, and, and all the letters around the room. That's what we see here by example. And Jesus... His example was perfect. Don't you, you know, whenever you see that handwriting example, um, and you see that nice cursive on those, it's just perfect, right? And, and when a little kid is trying to first learn cursive and they're writing, it doesn't look much like that example, does it? <laughs> Oftentimes, it's a, it's a very imperfect, but we look at the example and we follow that because we want to be like that example, right? Um, that's the idea here. Jesus, in His suffering, not only did He die for us in His place, but in what He did, He leaves us an example. And our suffering will never be like the suffering of Jesus. But we, our suffering is something that we should take with the, with the understanding all the suffering we face in this life is following after the example of Jesus that we would follow in His steps. Uh, many years ago, the, the book In His Steps came out. It was based off of this verse. And the big question in that book is, what would Jesus do? Right? In the context of this passage, what would Jesus do would be, He embraced suffering. He, he embraced suffering for us. That's what Jesus would do. <laughs> Continuing to, 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 to flesh out the uh, example that Jesus gave us. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. He was perfect. He was spotless. He was the spotless Lamb. He had no deceit in His mouth. He never, never told any lies. He, he spoke only truth. When He was reviled, He was mocked upon the cross. He was beaten when he was reviled. He didn't revile in return. You know, Jesus could have, if, 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 he, ha if he wanted to, told those Roman soldiers, you just wait, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> All right? But he didn't do that. He, he didn't taunt them and say, well, you may think you've got it now, but one of these days, I'm coming and you're going to get what you deserve. That's not what he did. And, and that's not how we should face suffering. Instead, he, he, when, he, he reviled, when he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. How do we face it when we experience unjust suffering? When someone is mistreating us wrongly, 
We just trust God. He'll take care of it. And we don't have to revile against them. We don't have to to spout out and say, well, you know what? You're going to get it someday. (laughs) No. Instead, we're like Jesus who, like a lamb that was silent before it shears, didn't speak. We can, we can, you know, often in the ancient world, if someone accused you wrongly, what did you want to do? And people do it today. They want to make an impassioned argument and say, this is not me. This is not, they want to give a defense for themselves. But Jesus was silent. And oftentimes we can be that way. We should be that way. And just trust God for the results. Trust that in the midst of our suffering, you know, right now we're going through uh, uh, what what is what is only a little while, like Peter said earlier in the in the book. But we, what we await is e- an eternal weight of glory that is prepared for us. Verse twenty four. This is talking more about what Jesus did on our behalf. He starts out this passage telling us how we're to live, and now he's kind of exploded into telling what God has done for us in Jesus. He himself, that is Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Our sins, that look that we gave, that we shouldn't have gave. That thing that we spoke that we shouldn't have said. That, that greed that we may have had. That thing that we treasured more than God. All of those things He took upon Himself. He took upon His own body and He bore it on a tree. Deuteronomy tells us that Him who is hung on a tree is cursed. And Jesus became a curse for our sake. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. What is the believer to do? We're promised eternal life. But in this world of suffering, what do we do? We die. (laughs) We die. It's, It's not just eternal life, but we die with Him. That's what our baptism references. When we go under the ground, under the water, it's it's not just pointing back to Jesus' burial, but it's also death and burial. But it's also the fact that we, our old man, died, and and we live a life that is dead to sin and alive to righteousness. He did that. He bore our sins in His own body on the tree so that we would then follow in His steps and die to our own sin. Die to our own desires and instead live to righteousness. Being like Him. Following His example. Not in order to earn... We don't, we don't follow His example in order to earn salvation so that we might become Christians. No. We follow His example because of what He's already done in us. By His wounds, you were healed. Here, Peter quotes Isaiah 53, 
by His wounds, by the stripes that He bore, by, by the flogging that He took, and all of the suffering that He took, including His death, we have been healed. Not physically, we have been healed in that we have been washed free from our sins, we have been, we have, 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 uh, been set free, and we have, have wholeness in Jesus. For you were once straying like sheep. Also a reference to Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We were once what we used to be, right? We used to be straying like sheep. But now, because of what God has done in Jesus Christ, in taking our sins upon Himself on the tree, now we have returned. The word return... In the Old Testament is the same word for repent. We have turned. We've turned around. We've done a 180. We have turned away from our sin and returned to the shepherd and overseer. He is our pastor. <laughs> he is our leader. He is our the one who has authority over us. And he's also a guard for us. He protects us. We have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. So, we're about out of daylight. I better wrap this up. Whatever situation we find in our, ourselves in life, whether we find ourselves as a boss in our employment, or uh, an employee or whatever situation we find ourselves in, we're not, we're not slaves in that original sense, but we find ourselves in different situations and we ought to be submissive to authority that's placed over us. Because in so doing, in... in, in uh, yeah. In so doing, uh, in follow, we're following after the steps of Jesus who took our sin upon Himself, who suffered unjustly at the hands of wicked men so that He might take our sins and wash us clean and adopt us into His family. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.